Dear The End of the Affair, if we could cut out the Caroline story of this episode, I would feel good saying that I love this episode, because there is so much to love otherwise. The 20s, Rebecca, the Delena banter, and we finally get a Delena confrontation after a long, lonely summer away from each other. Sincerely, Bridget. Dear End of the Affair, I don't usually like flashback episodes, but you're different. You actually helped further the plot, and you were not just a way to do song and dance and wear cute costumes. I appreciate you. <laughs> Sincerely, Gabby. Welcome to Dear Vampire Diaries, where today we have the distinct pleasure of escorting you through this episode of The Vampire Diaries, Season 3, Episode 3, End of the Affair. I'm your host, Bridget, and we have a guest with us today, my dear friend, Gabby. Hi! I'm so happy that you're here, and I want you to tell me all about um, when you first started watching The Vampire Diaries, which I believe was a quarantine thing for you. At some point, you mentioned that you were doing this podcast, and and I had never heard of Vampire Diaries, and I'm like, what? what is this? How, how, is, how is it possible that I have never yeah. seen or heard of this? Um, so I just was like, okay, let me, let me watch it, and then... yeah could not stop watching it you know watched it from beginning <laughs> to end straight well no not straight but you know a couple episodes a night for a while yes relatable i don't know how long it was i wasn't keeping track <laughs> yeah. but you know watched binge the whole thing basically you've seen more than i have because yeah I, I saw the whole thing yeah you finished the whole thing i remember you telling me because i don't think you told me that you were watching it i found out after you'd finished <laughs> And yeah. you were like, that was a great recommend. And I was like, oh my gosh, you watched the whole show? And you were like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I remember you said that you missed, you were like, I miss my friends. That's true. <laughs> yeah. It was sad when it ended. I was like, oh man, what is everybody doing? Yeah. I want to text oh, them. That makes me so happy. Caroline, are you okay? How you doing, Damon? How you doing? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> did you did you watch it with anyone or were you a solitary audience? Yes, I watched it with, with my partner, Jit. Uh, yeah and he enjoyed it too um, yeah well you know we we watched the whole thing makes me happy when men also enjoy the show because i feel like it is very targeted at women and so it makes me yeah it just, yeah i mean he it does make he me happy has, when men has like a, it he always has a very interesting take on things in general so yeah. you know his take on this was all you know different than mine um yes. but still he enjoyed it yeah yeah, I want to get into your take on it because I really love you. You're an incredible writer and you're great with energies and words. And so I'm very interested to know what other vampire media you have enjoyed or if this was kind of a standalone. Growing up, my older brother was um, like a monster movie buff. So this was like, you know, in the 70s or whatever. And back in those days, they would show, you know, all those shows like in black and white on, on like Dark Shadows TV and at late night and stuff. Yeah, Dark Shadows yeah. and uh, you know Dracula and you know Frankenstein and Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein, right. and the creature from the Black Lagoon and King Kong <laughs> and the Thing, um, you know, yeah. the Mummy and what all those all those all those shows. Like we when we were little, we shared, we all there were four of us and we all shared like this one bedroom. Wow, with two bunk beds in it, and my brother was the oldest and he had like his monster posters on the on the closet yeah. doors you know and so like i think i was pretty little and then my mom would have to like leave the closet oh, doors open so i could go to scared. sleep because he had like a giant dracula and a giant frankenstein <laughs> <laughs> when I, this is yeah when i was really little uh, but then i start. but then i really yeah. liked it too eventually yeah i mean how can you not yeah it is it's a pretty alluring there's a lot to be said about like dark night of the soul type stories with vampires and I always loved 
the book Dracula yeah. and and um, all the Dracula movies subsequently. Yeah. You know, I'll always watch yeah. those. Love Dracula, and I I really like the book too. I I loved the descriptions. My my favorite part. I love the descriptions of when um yes. Harker, Mister Harker, what's his name? Jonathan Jonathan Harker, yeah. Jonathan Harker, yeah. He's he's riding yeah. through the what is it the mountains towards the castle yes and it's this crazy you know um journey yes with wolves you know following them and it, i love that description i absolutely yes it's one of my absolute favorites absolutely super iconic and and very yeah. much like ooh, what's this place <laughs> scary yeah. um what are your general feelings about vampires in the zeitgeist, like throughout culture? Because you've talked about, yeah, the seventies and how it sort of morphed. Like, what do you? What's your take on that? I had been thinking about this, but now I can't remember what I was going to say. Um, but there's definitely like this idea that you know vampires are sort of sucking the energy out of you, or or the blood, or um, I remember, you know, like a friend from back in the day who who was like an energy vampire yeah that idea that that vampires are not just you know blood suckers um but they but they take something but also life force from you and they kind of hold it hostage um yeah and uh and then there's all this like suppressed sexual stuff Mm -hmm. and that's always like kind of wild and weird and (laughs) (laughs) yeah there's a lot of room for a lot of things to grow in that it's a very fertile yeah ground there's there's this interesting um sort of scholarly perspective that says every generation um like gets the vampire that it needs Hmm. which is interesting like the idea that that sort of like the victimizer or the the parasite of society sort of changes depending on like who you see as being that yeah you know and so it's like we can sort of project vampirism onto any kind of threat that we see or you know like like depending on what your vantage point is or on if you more identify more as a vampire like you you feel like an outsider like there it's so flexible with what it can mean and i was thinking about this this episode which we're going to talk about i think there's some there's some yeah. stuff in there too that's along these lines. For sure. Do you have a favorite vampire character? It doesn't have to be from the Vampire Diaries, but it totally could be. I, I think Dracula. Classic. Just Dracula. And I, I mean, like Gary Oldman. I think Dracula. you're the first person that said Dracula. Oh yeah, the Gary Oldman Dracula. So hot. <laughs> I mean, my God. Not when he was like scary looking, but when he was like yeah. you know human looking and yeah. young and. Like damn, I know. Well, it's Gary Oldman. I mean, what are we gonna do? But it's interesting. Like I, for me, I discovered him as Sirius Black as a kid, and so that was my. I was like, ooh, Sirius Black can get it. Um, yes, but uh, which is an interesting Sirius Black. Not to get too Harry Potter on this, but another interesting parallel of like an outsider character who's misunderstood and is kind of like outside the law and has to like subsist off of you know like as a dog like in another form like for a long time. Anyway. I don't know. Interesting. Maybe, maybe someday we'll do like a, like a Vampire Diaries Harry Potter crossover episode. (laughs) Yeah, that would be. It's interesting that you mentioned that version of Dracula because I remember seeing that when I was a little kid and it scared the shit out of me. (laughs) 
I, I think I wasn't supposed to see it. I remember there's a scene where someone cuts a tongue and there's like blood. Oh. And I, I've never forgotten that image. <laughs> like that just stayed. <laughs> and there is something, right? <laughs> and there is something about the imagery associated with vampires that is very, it really just sticks. There's something very like throughout the ages, something about like teeth and blood. And like there's, it's just very visceral and very yeah. just super iconic and memorable and it seems to stick with every generation in a different way i mean um blood is hard to wash out you know yeah. literally and figuratively what do you think that we can learn from vampires as an archetype and if so do you think they have anything to teach us just kind of like be yourself it's kind of silly but um that that's what comes to mind like don't hide in the shadows i guess i love that yeah don't hide in the yeah. dark shadows <laughs> Damon is a really good example of that, I think. Yes. Of really owning who he is. And so is Caroline. They, they both kind of come forth as these characters that really start to own who they are and their growth in what they are. Yeah, they, they're better as, as vampires. They, yeah, for sure. Speaking of which, let's get into the episode. Uh, so we won't be delving into future episodes today, but we will be discussing this episode, The End of the Affair, in detail. You've been warned, dear listener. Speaking of warnings, we have a content note. The Vampire Diaries contains heavy themes, so please check the episode description for trigger warnings and resources and and big, big, massive red flag around conversion therapy and torture today. I think that's fair to say. Um, okay, Gabby, so the HBO summary says, this is the episode where Stefan is reunited with a vampire he knew decades earlier. In a flashback to the 1920s, Stefan faces that shocking chapter from his wild past. Meanwhile, Tyler is concerned about Caroline back in Mystic Falls and turns to Sheriff Forbes for help. I mean, and they don't spoil the the the, the whole yeah. Stefan and Elena get into talk thing. But oh my god, mm -hmm. let's let's start with the 20s. Let's start with the flashbacks. I love that you said that this this does it really well. Um. Because I, I just agree, the whole thing, how it's shot mm -hmm. is so, like, when we when we flash back to Chicago in the 1920s, the colors are rich and vibrant, and the way that the, just, everything is so, like, decadent and, like, very, you know, I don't know, it's it's just, it's got this, like, filmic quality to it that I don't, you don't really see it from television, like network television in those days. I think this was like 2010, 2011. It, it's just like a really beautiful mm -hmm. way yep. of showing the 20s. And then when we cut back to the present, it's dark. It's like drained of color. There's like no sharp reds or anything. Like it's so stark, the contrast between yeah. almost like this acid trip of Stefan's from back in the day. And then we, we cut to him now and he's like this person now and we see how different he is. But we get to learn a lot about why Klaus uh, sort of fell in love with him as a as a brother. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think there might be some latent homoerotic things, but whatever. Uh, that's just <laughs> me. My little bisexual view of everything. <laughs> yeah, so they, they arrive in Chicago. Stefan doesn't remember the details. Um, they also transition really well back and forth between the two. Like the first transition, you see these like truck headlights and we white out on the screen and we go, we're back in the past in front of like this old timey car. And Stefan is in the car, like necking a, a young sultry lady, truly necking her. And... <laughs> 
plucks the rose from her um yes from her hair from her hair and puts it in his pocket after he has yes you know, taken a big old bite out of her neck <laughs> <laughs> exactly i love those little details and i love like he gives a little salute to the um like he goes into a speakeasy and the guy he doesn't even have to give like a like a password the guy just knows who stefan is because stefan just like <laughs> like he's there every single night and you know it <laughs> yeah it, i it it's yeah it was so old-timey and like you know the clothing and this and the whole thing is like shimmery and, and yeah um, the champagne tower the and the music is wonderful yes. and yeah and there's the woman on stage, Gloria, who's singing some. I was looking it up. I think it's an it's a Cab Calloway song. Oh, awesome! Um, I love Cab Calloway. So it was it was it was so great. Oh, yes, yes, Gloria, who we will uh, find more about later. Um, yeah, she calls him out as he comes in. She's like, "Look who just arrived, ladies! <laughs> Looking for a good time, Mr. <laughs> Salvatore." <laughs> What's interesting is that we also meet Rebecca. Yes. Claire Holt, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. Welcome to just the best. Um, God, she's enchanting. She is. She, she takes the last um, like champagne glass off of a tray and Stefan is like, oh, okay. <laughs> and I love when she, she leans into him and she licks his face uh -huh. and goes, careful, Mr. Salvatore, you're still wearing your date. She's lovely. Yes. <laughs> What an entrance! Uh, there's nothing Vampire Diaries <laughs> does better than a good femme fatale entrance, truly. She's so... Well, actually, I, I think I found her much more likable this time. Because um, I guess the, the last time when I saw it, I was like, we're kind of rooting for Elena, and I was like, who is this bitch? You know? Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> but this time I was kind of like, oh, screw Elena, I like her, you know? Yeah, let's go with this blonde bombshell. She's very, like, Roxy Hart from Chicago. Like, that's the vibes she gives me. Like, the Renee yeah. Zellweger part. <laughs> yes. I also would understand reading her as like, ooh, I don't trust this person. Because when you're watching The Vampire Diaries and they introduce any new characters, you're like, all right, what's your deal? Why are you here? What do you want? <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, waiting for the other shoe to drop. Like, what you gonna do? Yeah, and Rebecca, like is absolutely another shoe to drop for Stefan because he doesn't remember her mm. at all. And this whole episode, he's trying to get Klaus to like open up about why they're in Chicago. And he's like, I, I really don't understand why I'm still here. Like we went on this little summer thing for your hybrids. I guess we're here to talk to, you know, this witch Gloria, but like, what the fuck, you know, he's still in what the fuck land. They do it really well. They do do it really well. But I also want to note that Klaus says that they're there to see his favorite witch. And I don't know if you remember the witch that helped him out in season two with the finale of like the the sacrifice of him becoming the hybrid that he is. Honestly, I, I don't. Her name was Greta. My memories are not the greatest, but um, Klaus is I can tell you about this episode. I'm offended that she's not his favorite witch. <laughs> he hasn't talked about her since. She, she died for him. She like and he just hasn't mentioned her, which puts a whole other spin on on those characters from season two. Like her father and her brother were looking for mm -hmm. her, and she died for Klaus. She was super down to help him, and now his favorite witch is Gloria. Okay, I see you, Klaus. I see you and your yeah. little player heart. My yeah. God. <laughs> it is interesting. Gloria definitely has like a flirtatious vibe with most most of them. Like she she had that kind of vibe with Stefan, where she's like, you know, I don't know, just something about him and hey, Damon too well later yeah right like they're yeah. all kind of flirting with Gloria I'm like damn Gloria all right 
<laughs> but it's interesting. Gloria gets like irritated in a flashback when she's on stage because Stefan and a bunch of his buddies are making a bunch of noise and they're guffawing in the corner. And Rebecca like notices that Gloria is kind of being upstaged by them. And she gets offended like on behalf of her friend and she walks over to them and she's like, stick a sock in it, which I love is such a great old timey saying. I haven't heard that in forever. <laughs> stick a sock in it. <laughs> and um, yeah, it's just like, it's really cool to see her like flirt with Stefan, but also be very like, this is Ripper Stefan, but she's so obviously got the power and we haven't seen that before. Yeah. And so that's what's really neat about Rebecca is that she is so domineering, but in like an endearing kind of a way. She, um, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, she she's a bitch, but a wonderful one. A good yeah, one. a fantastic dynamite <laughs> bitch, a red hot ticket, as they'd say. Oh, um, oh yeah. <laughs> we're just gonna start talking like we're from the twenties. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I just tipped my hat at you, my invisible hat. Um, <laughs> We're with our flapper dresses on. and Yeah. Um, but anyway, so Gloria in present day says she needs to contact the original witch and she needs Rebecca. This is the first time that Stefan thinks he's hearing about Rebecca. They go to unstake her, but like, while it's interesting because I forget when, but like Stefan finds a picture of him and Klaus in the bar. Mm hmm. Like in the yeah, bar with yeah, Gloria. Yeah, in the bar. And he's like, what the fuck? You need to tell, like, what in the world? Why don't I remember this? Right. And Klaus says, well, you said it yourself. Like, you blacked out so much. But Stefan knows it's more than that. It's not just like he he blacked out and didn't remember an entire relationship with Klaus, you know? Yeah, I mean, it it, it seems like that Klaus is um, opening up his memories little by little. Is, is that... Is that what you got? Yeah, it's almost like he's trying to get Stefan to fall in love a little bit. You know? Like, like it's, it's very seductive. Mm. The way that he does it, he does it piece by piece by piece. To the point where we're building to a climax of, like, you were my brother, essentially. Like, you felt like my brother. And you, and you felt that way, too. Yeah. Once. Um, at the same time that he's revealing Rebecca, who, you know... We see a flashback of them, like, in love, I guess? I put that in quotes because they're like both eating from this person and they're making out and and he's like neat necklace and we're like oh shit that's the latest necklace and she's like oh it's my good luck charm a witch gave it to me like it brought me love and so they're all in lust and stuff together and klaus says that he hated stefan at first he, he like pulls him away from rebecca and is like Grr, grr, grr. Little sister, <laughs> you have to do as I say. And it's it's very, you know, heavy-handed. Back in the present day, Stefan is like, I don't remember Rebecca. Like, he sees her in her coffin, and she's still in the 1920s flapper dress. So you're like, oh, shit, yep, something yep. happened. The exact same dress. I love yeah. when Klaus says, don't tell Rebecca that you don't remember her. Her temper is worse than mine. <laughs> um, <laughs> and we start to see why Klaus likes Stefan so much in a sequence where Stefan sort of tortures this human couple and makes right. Liam Grant drink his wife's blood. And like Klaus is like, Ooh, super creative. I love that. <laughs> you know? Yeah. He's like, I, I um, learned a few things from you. Picked up some of your yeah. um, despicable tricks. Which is interesting because Klaus has been alive for like thousands of years. And so this idea that he hasn't met someone as sadistic as Stefan both make sense as to why Klaus would be drawn to him because he feels like, ah, finally someone who's like refreshing and new and like, 
can stimulate me after thousands of years of probably old cronies who do the same things again and again and again. And also we get to see Stefan, his, his M.O. from those days. We get to see that he remembers the names of his victims and would write them down on a wall. But we'll get back to that later. Yeah, pretty uh, sadistic. Ooh. Yeah, pretty Jack the Rippery kind of, like, very serial The Ripper killer-y. of Monterey. Yes. Ripper. Oh, there's uh, just noting another great transition from the past to the present. Uh, Klaus slides a shot on the bar towards Stefan. And we cut to the past and Klaus is catching a shot that Stefan has slid down to him great moment of like that he's essentially throwing it to himself from the past because it's it's the symbol of how much he wants that back (laughs) and then when we transition back from that we're like because essentially what stefan is doing is he's building nick up in the past he's like you're a family they don't understand you i get you you're a king like you're the best like that's why they don't want to be around you and so you can see where like klaus's insecurities were very like Mm. there stefan was like a salve a salvatore, you may say, for his, <laughs> for his little insecurities about not belonging in his family. Because what we know about Klaus is that he wasn't, um, he, he was a half-brother to the rest of his siblings. And so he would have found out at some point that he was different. Right. And so I'm sure he felt like an outsider. We do know that Klaus had a different father from the rest of them. And so you can imagine that he's got like insecurities about where he belongs in his family and Stefan just makes him feel like he belongs and he wants Stefan to feel that too. He's like, you used to want to be my my wingman, essentially. Well, I mean, it's, it's not exactly like he gave him a choice. I mean, he right. wiped his memories and, you know, staked his sister and well, what, 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 what do you expect? Yeah, you made your own bed, Niklaus, now sleep in it, yeah. essentially. I feel that. <laughs> Um, but Stefan's not convinced yet, and so Klaus decides to bring him to his old apartment to be like, I want you to know that I knew you back then, let me show you that I know your hidden wall of names and shit. Um, but we'll we'll talk about that a little bit later when we talk about Elena and Damon and all them, uh, because, whew. Uh, but yeah, flashback to Gloria's speakeasy, all of a sudden one night there's this police raid. And Stefan jumps behind the bar and looks at Rebecca and is like, they're using wooden bullets, which means they know. And Mm. Rebecca has a very different reaction. She goes, that means he's here. Right. Who is him? Who is him? My God. (laughs) But we don't have time to find out because Klaus compels Stefan to forget, as you said. And but he thanks him before he compels him. He says, thank you. I'd forgotten what it was like to have a brother. Um. And somehow Rebecca, like, loses her necklace or leaves her necklace or something. And, St- and Stefan is there holding the necklace, unable to remember anything. Meanwhile. <laughs> we, we, we jump to the <laughs> present where Rebecca is now awake after having been undaggered. And she daggers Klaus, but he, he, like, just pulls it out. And he's like, you knew that wouldn't kill me. And she goes, no, but I figured it would hurt more. Because she's Yeah, I thought pissed. that was very funny. <laughs> yeah, she, yeah. I love them as siblings. They have great sibling banter. I really like that. We figure out why she's pissed, which is because way back in the day, Klaus was like, Stefan's not coming with us. And she's like, what? But I'm in love. Which is not what Klaus was betting on. He did not want to include mm-hmm. Stefan in their thing. Which is too bad. Let him come along. My God. 
Yeah. I mean, you think of him as a brother. She isn't going to get rid of him like you said she would. Because Klaus even, like, warns Stefan about that. He's like, when Rebecca moves on, you know, don't take it personally. Like, that's just who she is. But she isn't. She, like, chooses Stefan over Klaus. I mean, it definitely seems like Klaus has kind of an incestual, incestuous kind of thing going on with, with uh, Rebecca. Yeah. He doesn't doesn't want any other guy around there. Ugh, yeah. Hmm, yeah, very Cersei and Jamie Lannister stuff going on there. My gosh, <laughs> never thought about that. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, she chooses Stefan over Klaus, and Klaus can't handle, and so he daggers her. And that is why she is pissed. As sort of a peace offering, he he's like, here's Stefan! And then he walks over to him and is just like, oh, by the way, now you remember. <laughs> <laughs> and Stefan like, gets all of his memories back and he's like, oh my god. Um, and we sort of leave it there. Like, we don't know if Stefan will embrace them now that he remembers their past of, like, kinship right. or what. That's just sort of where... There's con- conflictedness. There is conflictedness. Almost like Stefan is meeting himself for the first time. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, on to the B-plot, the love story. Elena, Damon, and Stefan. Oh, my. And we start this with uh, Catherine is sort of the catalyst here for why Damon is able to understand, like, where Klaus and Stefan are. And I love this moment when she calls She's calling him from, like, a payphone or something. Mm-hmm. And he's like, where are you? And she says... I'm outside your window, pining away. And he actually looks around like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but she tells him where they are. And so then he immediately goes to Elena and he's like, let's go to Chicago. And th- this is an amazing scene th- where he like wakes her up and she's like, 6 a.m. Do you have nothing better to do at 6 a.m.? Yeah. And, and there was this music playing that was like sunshine and birds and birds yeah. chirping and it was like la 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 because they had i think they had just shown catherine who was you know um in the in the phone booth who was i mean well catherine is more i i would say down to earth whereas elena is kind of like the birds and the sunshine and the flowers <laughs> la, la, la. i'm a sad little teenage girl oh my god but how much as a teenager did i just wish that i could roll over and Damon Salvatore would be there. How much did I wish that <laughs> so much? Um, he's got some great lines in this. Like, he just, like, totally flirts with her so much throughout this entire episode. Uh, he says, you know you were dreaming about me. Explains the drool. <laughs> uh, yeah. And he goes through her, like, underwear drawer and she, like, smacks him. <laughs> like, she's like, nope, get away from that. Yeah, he, he doesn't tell her that Catherine is the reason why he knows where Stefan is. She just kind of is like, okay, let's go. Yeah. So they're in the car, and um, he's reading Stefan's Ripper Days journal to her, and their banter mm-hmm. is very old and married, kind of. Like, mm-hmm. th- like I love when she's like, it's an antique, Damon, like you. <laughs> like, just little things like that. Like, they're really building their chemistry so well and in such a convincing way. Um, it makes a lot of sense that Nina and Ian were, they were dating in real life. I mean, you can, you can feel it's like so palpable, like their chemistry is so comfortable and they make fun of each other and they push each other. And, uh, but I, uh, my, my general feeling about Elena in this episode was that it was very flat. mm. Um, I mean, I like the banter and all that, but it just didn't, 
my feeling, my general feeling overall was, was that she just was out to lunch. Yeah. Do you know. feel like that was like a performance thing? Nina Dobrev or? I don't, I'm not sure. I, I, maybe they just, they just weren't giving her enough or something. Yeah. Um, it could be. Not that Damon wasn't giving, I mean, he was, he was like her, Catherine was so engaging. Yes. But Elena was just kind of like, hello. Yeah. Is there anything, anybody at home? Interesting. Um, I mean, I guess she's supposed to be like, you Depressed. know, sad yeah. and whatever. Um, but I don't know. It just comes across as very. But this is her big chance. Like, this is what she's been looking for. This is what she's been building to throughout the whole, like, yeah. summer. Then when they, they get to Chicago and it seems like she's just kind of standing around. That's very true. Literally just. Literally just. Standing there. around. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, okay. <laughs> reading his diary yeah that's legit yeah she does find the wall in the you know the wall of names or she has to hide there she has to hide there because she hears klaus and stefan coming and outside like they they say liam grant and she looks on the wall and sees it and has this moment of realization i do wonder i've i have defended nina nina's acting several times for this just because this is episode three of a season arc and so for her, in order for her to have somewhere to go, sometimes you can't mm-hmm. let it go, like you can't let the pot boil over. Because mm-hmm. if you do that, you know, you're it, it essentially as a lead on a series, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And so but I but I feel you on the maybe that's why Catherine is more engaging is because Catherine is not her main character. And so she can kind of just like mm-hmm. be Catherine, whereas Elena has to you know burst and grow and have a journey that you have to start smaller if you want it to build i mean it makes but sense you're right episode three this is a catalyst you know episode it makes sense what episode, you're saying yeah and i think the other characters have so much to give um that that she's yes. just kind of like okay <laughs> you know react um, yeah for um, sure i did feel that when you know <laughs> that moment when Damon's gotten Stefan outside the bar and he's like, you know, you have to tell Elena to go home. And he says, tell her yourself, which I love. It's a great moment. Um, and Damon mm-hmm. steps away and all of a sudden Elena's back there. She's just kind of standing there in flats and like a purple dress, just like, hey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It could be a direction thing too. Like they, they could have directed that in a weird way. In the, in the, in the apartment, there's another moment where Damon leaves and I think that she's just, she's just left standing there. Yeah. She's reading, right? She's Literally like, just standing. Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. Cause he's like, you but come it... up with a real plan. And she's like, what? Okay. But she does, she does read. She smiles to herself when she's reading about like, about like Lexi is driving me crazy or like Lexi's onto her new project, making me laugh. And like, you see, there are little moments. I think it's just more interior for her, which is mm-hmm. interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that moment when he discovers her in the closet and he goes, look what I found. Mm-hmm. Heart drop moment. <laughs> and then he takes out a single malt and Klaus is like, my favorite. Because he's so happy to be back with his favorite boy toy. He doesn't notice <laughs> the doppelganger is right there. Right, right. Obviously, they smell her or something when they enter the room, right? Because he senses something. Right. And Stefan covers really well, even though he doesn't right, know like, what he's covering for. He's kind of like, well, oh, it's been people bacon. people have been yeah. breaking in here over the decades. Ooh, 
Uh, yeah, sure, sure, dude. Oh, God. He probably thinks it's <laughs> just paying Damon. for this apartment. He probably just thinks it's Damon. <laughs> but it is, it's cool. I love when Damon uh, goes in to distract. Like, he literally goes up to a guy who could totally kill him just so that Elena could get, like, five seconds alone with her ex-boyfriend. Like, David, David is doing the work in this episode once again. And... Yes. They have great banter, Klaus and Damon do. And Damon is even like, take me, I'm so much more fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but Klaus is like playing like pin the tail on the donkey, but it's um, it's pin the umbrella on Damon's heart thing. Like oh, right. the fruity umbrella uh, yes, thing, the little, little toothpick the thing. Little umbrellas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, we know Klaus loves his creativity and his, his torturous ways. Um, Anyway, so in this conversation between Elena and Stefan, it, you're right. It is very like subtle where she, he's like, what do you want? And she's just like, come home as if it's that simple. Mm-hmm. Like she really didn't come up with any. I mean, she she was just going to vervain dart him like like we reveal right. like they hug and she's she's got the thing. Yeah. He's like, really? But he doesn't say he doesn't explain why, really. Which is that he's protecting her from Klaus finding out that she's the key mm-hmm. essentially to why he can't create hybrids yeah i mean it seems that you know his love for her you know is, is over you know overarching you know uh... yeah it is almost like they're they're withdrawing the stelena thing from us a little bit and and growing the delena chemistry it's they're kind of taking away one to make room for another uh, you can just really feel it in this episode. You know, when when she's reading the diary, is I believe they were saying something like um, that it was 1922 or something when he met Lexi, or maybe maybe I'm getting years off. Yeah. And and she's trying to help him, you know, get off of drinking blood. And then there's another entry like 1926, and she's still trying to help him get off of blood. And then there's like 1935 and she's still trying to help him get off the blood. So I was, the time span there was like, what was that? Like 12 years or something? 30 years or so. So, Some incredible time span. And I I thought that was um, important to know uh, just in general that that it was taking him so long to to get off of um, drinking human blood. And he makes that point. He says, you know, for a vampire, that's a drop in the bucket. But for you, Elena, that's half your life. Yeah. Yeah. And it is a really good point. But she kind of gets closure, which is what she's been looking for this entire summer, in a way. I mean, what she thinks she wanted was, you know, Stefan to come home. But now he just fully breaks up with her and leaves and is like, I just want you to go. And she said said earlier that, that, or I think Damon said something like, I mean, you may see things that you won't be able to handle. And she says, well, I've seen so many things that I, right. you know, I can handle anything. And, yeah. But then when she sees, you know, the names on the wall, I mean, I, yeah, I, I guess what she's thinking in her head is like, oh, fuck. But we don't see that or hear that. But I would imagine that's what she's saying. Perhaps. Yeah. Almost yeah. being. A hundred percent. You know, outed to uh, Klaus in the moment perhaps was. Right. A moment of perhaps the end of the affair. <laughs> but um very nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when Damon gets back into the car after they've broken up, Elena's there like fondling the necklace that Stefan gave her. And Damon asks her if she's okay. And it's just like, brah. 
she's so obviously not okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, we we don't. You're right. We don't really have an emotional ending for Elena, other than just that, because we we immediately then skip to Damon and Catherine on the phone to sort of bookend this little trip, and he still can't guess where she is. Um, but then the reveal is that she was there in the 20s looking very Velma Kelly. Oh, yes. I love her hair. <laughs> Hiding in the shadows. And she hides from Stefan, yeah, and she like, but she notes the mm-hmm. necklace. Like she knows she's been tracking Klaus in a way for many, many years. And the reveal, of course, in the present is that Catherine is in Chicago doing what she's always done best, surviving. Yeah staying three steps ahead of her enemies. Um, And Stefan is uh, questioned in the past as well, we should say, by a mystery man. We don't know his name. Um, He's like, have you seen these people? And he shows him a picture of Klaus and Rebecca, and he's like, I've never seen those people before in my life. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, that's... Those are the ends of the two the two storylines that I like the most. Let's very quickly talk about the C plot. I said C is for Caroline, but mm-hmm. it's also for mm-hmm. conversion. Sad face. Um, so I just I just want to say <laughs> I don't really want to talk about the details of this because I hate it so much. Mm-hmm. Unless there's something that you want to say, but just to be like. It's so shitty that the one gay character that they have, where like or her dad, I think, is the only gay character on the show so far, is doing this, and this is so like, it's just very parallel to what gay conversion therapy is. Uh, yeah, it's really shitty that that's a thing. That's not the right kind of nuance, I don't think. Uh, but I was want. thinking, you know, th- I'm not. I, I think there was a. It's a female writer or director in this in this one yeah um yeah and i was i was thinking because it's so weird that they put these two together in the same episode because like you know caroline who's kind of like the mother Teresa of the vampires i kind of feel like (laughs) um you know and and like stefan taught her you know how to how to survive on animal blood or whatever yes and she gets it real quick you know she did yeah i think i mean she knows how to treat people and she just becomes like a better person and yes and then you know and then she's having this horrible you know conversion therapy yeah when she's kind of like you know the model vampire of all the vampires totally and then you've got you know stefan the ripper on the other side and i was kind of thinking like there's is there a double standard like mm. you know because stefan is is somehow allowed to run around and and murder people <laughs> and and even like yeah. me i'm i'm kind of like i'm forgiving him you know totally i don't know why i do but i do and then and then on the other side caroline you know and it's like if she kills one person you're like what the fuck is wrong with right. you woman right <laughs> girl and you know so there's a double standard like because it's sort point. of almost sexy and cool that, that he can kill people right. and if she does it it's like oh what the i hell? think you've really touched on something there there's going there's something going on 
in this episode that we're supposed to think about. I'll bet you anything there are some gender studies meets vampire, you know, commentary on that, on like female vampires and why it's different if they are predators, even just a little bit, you know? Yeah. Yeah, because you're right, because even Elena just totally, she's seen the wall of names and she still goes up to him and is like, come home, you can be redeemed, you're going to be okay. And we just kind of forgive him. Yeah. And and I know some listeners would probably point out that like Bill is Caroline's father and is one of the like like her mom says in there where it's like we were raised with certain, you know, uh, beliefs and we just think that mm. this is how it's going to be forever, you know, but she's like, but your dad can change like that. That's kind of what she's left at the end after this horrible torture and like resist what you are and resist blood and associate vampirism with pain and all this bullshit. It's like this idea that you're just you're left to hope for the redemption of the torturer rather than, you know, any sort of like, what does this mean for Caroline? I mean, Tyler is there for her and like, it is very sweet at the end. Like he holds her and Mm -hmm. I love Candace Akala who plays Caroline. Like her acting is incredible. Yeah. I mean, really good in this particular thing, which is. Yeah, for sure. It's horrible. horrible. And you're right though. It's, it's, it is very interesting how parallel it is to Stefan. I mean, a character like Bill, Caroline's dad, wouldn't stand for Stefan either. And the idea behind it is that he's giving his daughter a chance. This is his version mm-hmm. of like, because she's like, why are you doing this? And he says, so I don't have to kill you. And so it's, but it, it doesn't hit on any of the meaningful, nuanced levels that I think their villains often do. Because their villains are usually pretty well-rounded on the Vampire Diaries. Like, you usually get oh, there's a real heart to this person. We don't have that with this dude. Mm -hmm. And we didn't need this for Caroline. Like, we were already feeling Caroline. We didn't need someone to come along and victimize her to make us love her even more. Do you know what I mean? Because they do that, too, on The Vampire Diaries. They'll, like, bring in someone who's bad, and then they'll bring in someone to victimize the bad person to make them (laughs) a little more sympathetic. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, I also want to give a word for people that haven't heard of conversion therapy. um, I, I looked up, like, what it, you know, what the Trevor Project says it is, and I think they put it mildly, but essentially it's a it's a wide range of dangerous, discredited, unscientific practices that attempt to change a person's queer identity. Um, but I understand conversion therapy to be very abusive, and I, I just, like, cursory sort of looked it up for this episode. The people, especially the kids, the minors that are made to go through it or are even threatened with it, their suicide rates double from the LGBTQ youth that don't that aren't threatened with it and don't aren't put through conversion therapy. It's really awful. Um, and there's a, there's something called 50 bills in 50 States. It's activism to try to ban it in the, in the U S cause it's still legal in the majority of States and still like wildly practiced. Um, and there's been a lot of backlash to that activism. Like a lot of States are banning their ability to ban it. Mm. So like Georgia, which is where this was filmed, the vampire diaries was filmed. Oh, it's it's they put a ban against banning it so it's even harder to to protect queer youth yeah it's unconstitutional Mm. i think and i will stand by that absolutely i I would agree there are two films that i would like to recommend for people who would like to learn more about conversion therapy there's the miseducation of cameron post which is a really great film um and if you want something that's a little bit less heavy and is more of a comedy and is a cult classic in the queer community, But I'm a Cheerleader is a very interesting film set during conversion therapy. Uh, it's got Natasha Leone in it, and it's amazing. Hmm. Yeah, but just like so disappointed in this. Like once again, God damn it, <laughs> Vampire Diaries, this is not the nuance that we need. 
<laughs> ah. I think it, it also brought up for me like like the witch wound um Ooh, what is that the witch wound it's it's like um what they say that you have um most people because witches were um you know hunted you know back in the 1500s or yes. you know since then to now yeah. in many parts of the world um and we all have kind of a a fear of um act, acting different or um mm. sometimes you know acting like uh, you're you or acting creative or or sexy or um doing anything that might empowered in any way yes <laughs> that that because yeah. it, it's that's so deeply rooted in our in the culture and society because of what happened then because if you stood out as anyone different you you might have been you know right persecuted um and right. and it's still you know i think you know today i'm there, there's a book about um I think by celeste larson about it um healing the witch wound oh. um and it's wow. surprising that you know there's still these things that run and just run in your blood you know that that you can't um mm. that kind of you know trigger you or with the with these kinds of things you know because they make you kind of hunker down and be like oh no i'm i'm just going to do these things in my in my basement right <laughs> Yeah, and that's true. That there, scientific evidence has shown that traumatic experience change your DNA. Um, so that it, if you have children after a traumatic experience has happened to you, they get the DNA. Like they 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 get that blood memory in a way of um, sure. of what it was that was done to people in the past, and that's very interesting. Heavy stuff in this yeah. episode. <laughs> Yeah, so I I'm so sad that this, goddamn! I should have sandwiched this one and this uh storyline in between the other two so that we could end on a higher <laughs> note. But um, we'll still find a way to <laughs> to raise our spirits. But that's pretty much the episode. Um, Gabby, do you know who you are taking and staking from this episode? I wanted to stake Elena because she just annoyed me. <laughs> And I wanted to take um, yeah, okay. Sheriff Forbes just for you know being the mama bear and getting yeah. her out. Yeah, I wish that we could make her like an Avenger against gay conversion therapy. <laughs> <laughs> she could just go in. Her and Tyler Lockwood as a team could just go in, bust in, and save the day for everyone around the country. Yeah. Yes, very nice. Well, I am taking Catherine and Rebecca from the 20s, our femme fatales, and I am mounting a production mm -hmm. of Chicago the Musical because they remind me so much of Velma Kelly and Roxy Hart. It's not even funny. And that's just to make myself happy. Um, oh, that was, that's cool. Car like Caroline it. can choreograph <laughs> it and Bonnie can be in charge of uh, special effects. Um, so... <laughs> So I will be staking the writers. <laughs> no, no surprise to anyone who listens. I'm staking the writers for picking Bill, our only gay character, to be the one who uh, perpetrates a conversion therapy type torture on his own daughter. Thanks for that. I hate it. <laughs> cool. Bridget, what is the word of the day? Well, I'm so glad you asked. <laughs>
The word of the day is conflate. Conflate is a verb, uh, and it means to confuse, to fail to dif- to differentiate, or to blend or bring together. Oh, please, please share. Okay, okay. <laughs> My sentence is, Klaus conflates the version he knew of Stefan in the past with who Stefan is in the present. Wow. Stefan <laughs> conflates his love with Elena with Rebecca. Ooh! Now, that doesn't make any sense. Does it? I mean, it could certainly be subconscious. Yeah, we'll say that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, w- wouldn't be the first time that we weren't sure about a word um, on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's all for the end of the affair. You can support the podcast by going to the Buy Me a Coffee link in the show notes, following the show on social media, which is also in the show notes, or by leaving us a great review. You can also write into us at dearvampdiaries at gmail.com. I have been your host, Bridget, and Gabby has been our guest today. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. It was really fun. Thanks for joining us. Tune in next time to find out if Catherine will keep finding working payphones around the country. Tune in next time to find out who Sheriff Forbes saves next from conversion therapy. Dear Diary, you may be invincible, but that doesn't make you funny. Dear Diary, I'm shocked. Stefan's not a virgin. Dear Diary, I'm conflicted. Dear Diary, I'd forgotten what it was like to have a brother. I want to say a note to the listeners that um, I will put information about the the conversion therapy stats that I mentioned and various links of like how you can help uh, if you want to help or if you personally need help uh, recovering from that kind of abusive therapy. I will put those in the show notes.